Thanks, Andy, and thanks for that intro there. So, some of you will have got to know me through the joint services, through doing things like worship team, and, well, if you've been down to the joint services, I'm normally the reason why it's quite loud down there, because I'm, I quite like my PA mixing, quite like going through there. I love the fact that as churches, as Trinity and King's Church, we work together on a lot of things. There does seem to be a thing about swapping preachers called Jonathan, because Jonathan, you've been down to Trinity a couple of times, so it's great to actually be able to come up here. So a little bit of background. I mean, I've known Andy for 16 years, probably, too many years. We met him through uh, coming to Trinity, so my wife Sarah uh, is here. She's actually out in kids' work with one of our kids at the moment. Uh, we've been around the church ever since it was actually called Northwest Church. We met the church because in desperation, trying to find a church in London, uh, we Googled Northwest Church London. I lived in West London, Sarah lived in North London. Kind of all worked out that way from there. Uh, and I feel sorry for Matt today. A little bit of a challenge for you here today. Being a PA guy, I am listening out to what's going on with her, so I probably will hear it quite quickly. So I apologise if there's any looks in your direction there. But actually, today, you can see on the back there, I'm continuing our series on discipleship in an instant age. And we're going into worship today. But actually, church, how good was worship this morning? I was just here, I really want to encourage you. You are a church that carries something about worship. You are a church that carries intimacy. You're a church that carries walking into that presence. Not every church I've been to does. Some churches, it's really boring and stuffy and frankly, hymn sandwiches, sit down, sit down, stand up. No, you guys actually carry an anointing to walk into God's presence, to actually meet with him face to face, to actually lay yourselves down, to actually reflect on his glory. As I'm starting here today, church, I just really want to encourage you guys. This is something that's good and healthy in this, this church. Something that whenever I've been here, and I've only been here twice, I walk in here, I'm just hit with the presence of Holy Spirit as I walk in the door and go, wow, God, you are here. And please, church, at the start of the preach, just here, it's great to be able to do this preach. I was actually sat there going, do I need to do it about worship on a place where everyone clearly understands what worship is and is going for it here? It's going to be on Psalm 122. And rather than just me speaking at you today, can I have a volunteer to come up and read that from the mic? I've got a printed copy. If someone wants to do that. Well done. Thank you. I'll just grab it for you, mate. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Was it one to nine? Yep, one to nine. All right. A song of ascents of David. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in, in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Thank you. So, looking at the time and keeping an eye on things, we're going to be coming through three things. Worship's at the house of the Lord. 
Worship is a place of relationship, and worshiping together is a place of community. Let's get into it. You'll see on the screen, I've highlighted just verse one and two for you. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. So let's get into a bit of context here. Let's go back to look at actually what was Jerusalem at the time. It was known as a city on the hill. Well, because it is a city on the hill. But at the time when King David wrote this, can anyone guess how big that city was? Just call out some, call out some answers. How many, people? how many people it was? Five thousand? Five thousand? A couple more guesses, a couple more guesses. 20,000. 50,000. 50,000. Oh, we're going up. Exactly. Going, going, gone. Okay, right. Well, actually, I don't know about you, I think of City, I think of London, Paris, Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, big metropolitan areas. 1,000 isn't actually too far off it. Scholars estimate that Jerusalem was only about 2,000 people strong at the time, so a big village, really. Hatfield, you've got roughly about 41,500 people at the last census, so that's about 20 times the size of the area. But that's not why Jerusalem was special. Yes, it was the capital of Israel. Yes, it was the capital of the nation. But it wasn't the clinic that kept people really focused about it. The second question today, and I'm not going to ask questions all the way through. It's not a quiz. Israel had several temples to God throughout its history. At the time this psalm was written, can anyone tell me which temple was standing? We've got Solomon's. No? Correct. Matthew's got it there. The tabernacle. Now, now, Israel had several temples, the first being Solomon's temple, but obviously Solomon being King David's son oh, yeah. meant you've walked into the trick question there. <laughs> Actually, there's something, basically a giant tent, a meeting place. There was the Tabernacle of David, as it was called in Jerusalem. This was the central place in Jerusalem where people could come and meet with God. It was the place they went to worship. Across the entire calendar year, people would come back to Jerusalem to celebrate various festivals to come and worship God. Why? It's a big tent, but why? Because it was the place where God's presence dwelled. Actually, it was a place where this, the Ark of the Covenant, was located. That contained the tablets, the Ten Commandments on, but that was located in the middle of the tabernacle in the place called the Holy of Holies, the most sacred place where God's earthly presence dwelt in there. A place so holy that priests could only enter there once a year after, after completing the commands in Leviticus. And even then, as a priest, you were asked to go in there with bells on your feet and a rope tied around you so that the other priests could hear you moving. And if you died in God's presence, they could pull you out. But it's a place where people came to worship. It's a place where people came to look through things and, and, and meet with God. It's a place where people would come three times a year to major festivals 
and actually rededicate their lives to God. So yes, worship is at the house of God. We're in a house of God. But if you look at what's going on there, the three key festivals were festival of Passover, the festival of weeks, the festival of tents. Actually, they were there to remind people that uh, festival Passover, that God saved you. God saved the Israel back in the day in Egypt with the blood of the lamb on the on doorways that actually the angel of the Lord passed over residence where it was, where firstborn children were killed. So God saved them. Festival of Harvest, sorry. Um, God's provision was there. And the festival of weeks was remembering the covenant between God and Israel. That was three times a year. But actually, we can come to a place of worship in churches once a week, whenever we need to. But actually, it gives us the structure to remind us back to the place where God is central to our lives. God is central to coming here. Now, actually, don't know about you guys, I can struggle on a Sunday to get up. I work, I'm a civil servant, so I often have to work travelling around the UK, seeing different teams, different people. Apart from that, I also get up to go to the gym quite early. The only time I can get to a gym is generally 6 o'clock in the morning for exercise. So Sundays are the only days of the week my alarm doesn't go off at 5.30. I could take... Actually, inspiration from God. I can look at what he's done. The Bible says on the seventh day he rested. Great. But actually, the habit of just coming to church to give myself structure isn't really why I'm there. I mean, habits aren't bad. Habits can be really positive. It actually gives me the context for my week to be in. It gives me the context of coming to church. But actually, the real thing coming to church is it's about relationship with God. It's about relationship with without actually putting space, regular spaces to meet with God collectively with other people. I mean, I've got a question for you, church. When you come to church, why do you come here? Is it for relationship? Is it for actually seeking his face? Is it for seeing friends and family? Or is it because you imagine God up in heaven going, right, Andrew hasn't been to church again three times this year. I'm just going to move his place in eternal glory slightly further from my throne because of that. Now, we're laughing, and it's deliberately me being quite silly about this one. But actually, there's a question of when we come to church, is it because we're expecting to meet with our loving, heavenly God? Or we're coming there out of a sense of duty and a sense of actually we have to turn up because otherwise God's going to be displeased with us. Because worship is a place... Of relationship. You'll see on the screen a passage from Matthew. It's one of the most famous passages about when Jesus died. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was nailed to the cross for our sins. At the moment of his death, Matthew describes what happened in Jerusalem as an earthquake taking place, the sky growing dark, and actually a very important thing happening at the temple. The Holy of Holies was separated from the rest of the temple by an incredibly heavy, what's described as veil. You actually read uh, Exodus and Leviticus. A veil is not quite right. I would describe it as a massively heavy curtain. We've got the blackout curtains here. It would make those things look light in terms of how much is there. But the moment Jesus died, the curtain was torn top to bottom in a way that no human could ever break it. A massively symbolic act took place there on Jesus' death. 
of the power of sin being broken over our lives, of a perfectly holy God, a God who is so holy, he has to be separate from us all, actually being in a restored relationship with us, with humanity, because of what Jesus has done for us. In fact, actually, if you, if you look at the whole Bible, the whole Bible is a bookend of relationship and worship. In Genesis, you go right to the start, Adam and Eve walked with the Lord in the cool of the evening, relationship before sin entered the world. You go right to the other end of the Bible, into Revelation. I lose track of how many times in Revelation it says, around the throne, worship, around the throne, people bowing down towards God. Worship is that place where we actually can come into relationship with God, where we can choose to put ourselves down, where we can choose to lay our lives down in God in all circumstances. Now, don't get me wrong. Worship is a choice. It is not always easy. A few years ago, we can all remember lockdown. I was missing being in collective worship with people. I realised, actually, my life was missing the structure of being in a place where I could come together with others and say, actually, God, you are magnificent. Actually, God, we choose to look at your face. Actually, God, I'm choosing to still myself with others just to see what's going on in your face. And by coming back to that place of collective worship, we are reminded of his goodness. I love the words that were coming out here today. Just reminding of freedom, of God's power over sin and, break it, and his ability to break it all, of actually his love for us all. In a place of collective worship, we remind ourselves of that. And there's something actually that's a, that can be a hard choice. I mentioned, I mentioned earlier I've got a couple of kids. Sadly for me, whew, sadly for me, there was a third one that didn't make it. We've known the, my wife and I, we've known the pain of a miscarriage before our daughter was born. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have my gorgeous daughter. Believe me, one of the first questions when I get to eternal glory is, why God? But apart from that, my other memory of this time was... My wife and I, we turned up at a church in what, for a service. Now, we chose to be at church that day to actually come to worship. We chose to actually say, no matter what our feelings in that instance said, God, we choose to worship and see you as good. We chose to lay that, that down because actually the human part of me wanted nothing more than to just be at home, to be wrapped up in a duvet, quite frankly, dealing with the pain of miscarriage. That sort of guttural pain that you can experience through that or through many other things in our, in our lives. Actually, we choose just to say, no, well, I want to turn in to myself. In that instance, Sarah and I, I can still picture exactly where I was at the time. We were stood about two-thirds of the way back of the church room at the time, holding hands, just tears streaming down our face in worship, going, actually, God, we choose to worship you. We choose to come to you. We choose to be with you. And actually, in that place of worship, in that place of choosing to meet with God face to face, he reminded us of his goodness, of his love. The weight we were carrying, yes, I still feel pain because of it, the weight we were carrying, we actually start to feel God starting to heal what was there. 
we actually feel him lifting our burdens, actually carrying it with us, actually walking it through there. And actually, church, just a bit of a challenge to you here. What's going on in your life? What are the things you need to choose to give to God when you meet with him in worship? What are the things you need to choose to lay down and say, actually, God, I choose to look at your goodness. I choose to look at what you are saying to me. I choose to look at what you are coming through there. If we look at that song on there, Blessed Be Your Name, Matt Redman, we've probably all heard it. We've probably all sung it hundreds of times. Matt and Beth Redman wrote that after Beth sadly had a fifth miscarriage. They wrote it in the middle of that pain. But as Matt would say, he is there to say, no matter what the circumstances, Lord, I'll say, blessed is your name, because you are good. Actually, want to look around at other worship leaders. A lot of us remember Graham Kendrick, him of Shine Jesus Shine fame. One of the most influential worship leaders for the past 40 years in the UK. I love that quote. I found that out about 10 minutes when I was um, when I was researching this preach. To go through it here. Worship has been misunderstood as something that arises, that a feeling that comes upon you. But it's vital to understand it is rooted in a conscious act of the will to serve and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. There are times in all our lives when we can feel brilliant that's come to worship. There are times in life where we have to make that conscious act of our will to say, no matter what, God, I will worship you and come through there. And church, actually, is a question for you today. What are the things we need to say, actually, Lord, I need to give that consciously to you to allow me to worship? Worship also is the third thing as well, as I laid out there at the start. It's a place of community. It's a place that we can, yes, we can worship on our own in private. Yes, we can worship one or two others in private. But I don't know about you, but I love and hunger for collective worship at times like this. <coughs> I mentioned earlier, in lockdown, one of the things I miss most out of all the things was collectively coming together with brothers and sisters and spending time in worship. I mean, church on Zoom and church online was great to actually get a bit of structure, get a bit of time to reflect on God. But I missed being with people in his presence and coming there. Going back to the Psalms today, Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. In cities, we know there's a degree of planning. We know people have built together in different ways and different things. We know there's planning where people get added and sometimes, like today, get subtracted as people leave and go elsewhere. But we know that actually that's all part of God's plan because for me, that thing doesn't just talk to me about this verse. Talk to me about, talk to me about this one, actually. As I was preparing this, Romans 12, uh, 4 and 5 came out there as a body. For just as... It, so, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to each other. A bit different. 
the analogy of a human body, analogy of a city. But actually, if you think about a city, cities have different parts, different functions, and not all full of bakeries. I might quite like them. And personally, I spend many time in bakeries banging too many cakes. But cities are different, unique, complex things. Actually, worship is a place where we come together as a complex community. Look at what's going there. If we go back to the analogy of a body, we've all heard that passage probably many, many times. But I'm glad as a church we're not all feet or hands or eyes. But Andy mentioned uh, we've known each other for way too many years, way too many times. Actually, we recognise we are very different parts of the body of God to each other. You're not a foot, you're saying, okay. But actually, that also brings with it a bit of tension at times. There have been times where me and Andy, we've had some fairly big disagreements down the years. We've hurt each other, we've offended each other. But actually, in those instances, we both come back to, we're looking for God, we're looking for each other, and we're just trying to say, actually, no matter what, we're different parts of the body, we need to exist together, and we come to each other in worship, recognising God above it all. Actually, in those instances, we've apologised more times than I care to remember to each other <laughs> down the years, because we're the, we know we're both there, seeking and loving God as part of the body that is the church, part of the body that's coming up here. I think in a room like this, a church like this, yeah, we're so diverse looking around. We've got different ages, different backgrounds, different educational backgrounds, different stages of life. We're, it's a body here in Hatfield. There's so many different stages. And as I'm preparing this, I felt God saying time and time again, I am pleased with you. I love you. This is an amazing church of so many people, so much ability. Yeah, I felt God saying, coming through here. Actually, it's a body. It needs to, it's, it's there to be pulled together. I think that King David recognised the complexities of being a body and, and to plan town together. With those verses there. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my friends and family, I will say peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your prosperity. The prayer for peace was one from external attack, but also internal. Imagine Jerusalem, 2,000 people, small city, well, large village, let's be honest, but with different people, different tribes, different tongues. I imagine quite a bit of tension there. Prayer for peace. Actually, as a church, how often do we pray for peace among ourselves? I shared this point at Trinity uh, a few weeks ago, actually, and someone came up to me and said, I've never actually thought of praying for peace for my church. I thought, fantastic. We're full of people. We are humans together. Actually, prayer for peace is amazing. I wouldn't just say it's prayer for peace for people. Also, prayer for peace and come, Lord, bring your peace to somewhere. Bring your presence to somewhere. This place has always struck me as somewhere with that peace on it. Actually, my prayers are sat at the front here. Lord, just increase the sense of your peace here today. Increase the sense of your presence as we, today. So to sum up today, we've just gone through three points saying, worship's at the house of the Lord. Worship is a place of relationship. 
with God. And worship actually is a, is a place of community together where we collectively come to worship. Actually, as I was praying for the church here today, praying for said, God, what do you want to say on top of this, Lord? I felt him say, King's Church, there is freedom here. My spirit is here. My spirit is resting upon you. You are a place that will be known as a well for others to come. You will be a place known that can bring rest to other people. You are a place that is going to be known as refreshing other people. Actually, as you sit and wait in my presence, it's like, the way I saw it was like a lighthouse. He said, you like the lenses on the edge of a lighthouse. Here's the light in the centre. You're going to be the lens helping reflect his glory out as you focus so other people can see what's going around. I also went back to the verse in Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. It's a really, really famous passage. But I felt God saying, actually, church here today, this is what God's saying for you. He has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to seek your growth. Plans to seek people coming in here. People, plans to see you go deeper with him. Plans to see freedom for yourselves and others in here. And actually, I just got an overwhelming sense when I was preparing this time and time again. Saying, church, he is pleased with you. His pleasure is upon you. I've got a sense of his love, his passion, his happiness at all you are as a church. And he's just saying, you represent him in this, in this community. You are called to grow in a supernatural understanding of his grace and bring that to other people. You are called to be that shining light out there. But specifically, as we're worshipping today, I brought the word earlier. I felt God saying, actually, there is a, there is a real call today. So as we go into, wor- go, go into worship, as we go into looking at his face, that uh, there is a, there's a call for freedom for people who have feel this bound up in hurt and they can't move on. For people who feel they're bound up in shame and can't go on. I actually felt God saying, there's a place for freedom for that. So as we come back into worship and the service, actually we, we're going to spend some time just myself and anyone else who wants to just come down for prayer as you focus on and say, I want to bring your freedom here, Lord. I want to bring that freedom as we go back into a face-to-face relationship. I want to bring that freedom with you, with you Lord. Thank you, thank you guys for listening today.